Well, what a great day, huh? Amen. I was in a church last Sunday. Actually, I watched most of Kelsey's sermon online. Then I went to church. Then I watched the rest of Kelsey's sermon. She did a great job. Give her a hand, right? Yay. Woo-hoo-hoo, Kelsey. Went to church last week where the pastor said, hey, you don't have to wait for me to say amen for you to say amen. 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 There you go. All right. See if you're paying attention. Um, Hey, welcome to Marion Methodist. If we haven't met, uh, I'm Mike Morgan, lead pastor. Everybody that you've seen up here is part of our wonderful church and worship team. And I want to invite you to come back again and again uh, to our church. If you're looking for a perfect church, I apologize. We're not it. Um, we try really hard, but it's just filled with us. And we're broken, hurting people. Uh, same as you, we are growing, we are striving, and sometimes making mistakes and needing to repent. Uh, so uh, maybe you'll fit into a community like that. We'd love to have you come back. And, and I want to do a little bit of promotional. As you see, we've got all the trappings of Christmas because this is the last day of the Christmas season, the day of Epiphany today. And, uh, but after this, uh, starting next week, we're going to preach into a sermon called The Emotional Roller Coaster. And, and I know that like, when we're young, we, we kind of think that maybe our life will start and just from, from the moment we start coming of age, it's just going to have this continually better trajectory. We're going to get smarter and more whole and all that kind of stuff. But in reality, a lot of our lives kind of start this way and go like this, right? And, and so if you're that or, or if you have some feelings like that or if you know some folks that maybe when you see some of the themes come up for, this, for the sermons, you'll say, hey, I've got a friend that's, that's really struggling with depression or I've got a friend that's really struggling with this and they're on the emotional roller coaster. Now, you know, on behalf of, of Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to invite them and come to, to worship with us because we'd love to have them. Um, all, always, uh, we worship as the body of Christ that is collectively gathered uh, here and throughout the world. And today, I just want to take a minute. Um, I don't know where Jeff ended up sitting up. Where are you at, Reverend Dadisman? Where are you sitting at? Stand up. Reverend Jeff Dadisman is pastor at Makokita United Methodist Church. Eh? Glad you're here. Do you want to do you want to preach? Okay. All right. So I would ask you that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm fixing to preach in a minute since Jeff won't. Uh, so I'd ask that, that your prayers support me and I'm actually going to put the Makokita Methodist Church in the prayer too. So I'd ask you to be praying for them because their leaders here, um, getting a little respite and we hope that this worship service will bless him and fire him up when he goes home, uh, to lead that group. Let's pray together. God, the everlasting gospel has been put in front of us through the reading of the story of the Magi, through uh, repeating the prologue to John, through uh, us reminding ourselves that if we trust in you always, you'll, you'll guide our pastoral. And you, we, we read and, and memorized, Lord, what it is that you expect of us. And of course, Lord, we celebrate that fact that if we believe in you, we'll have eternal life. So as we come forward this morning to this moment that we call teaching time, we ask that our hearts might be fully in you that we truly might be behind you in our support and in front of you in the work that you send us to do. We ask, Lord, that these words might not be uh, lost into the abyss of the many words that we've heard in our lives, but they might be useful for us. And Lord, we do pray for just a minute uh, for the Makokita United Methodist Church and their pastor Jeff and his family that's here and the various ministries they do. Uh, Lord, we know uh, not what maybe Jeff's concerns or struggles are with that congregation, but we do ask that you might 
build a wall around him of your protection and that you might bless that church beyond measure, that as they grow in you, they might become more of you and less of themselves every day. Lord, these are our prayers. Uh, Help us to be knocked alive in these words. In Jesus' name, amen. So, today is the day Christmas gifts were born. Did you know that? Today's the day that Christmas gifts are born. I know you're thinking, okay, old guy lost his mind again. Pastor, it's over. We got the free bag of garbage last week. The wrapping paper's gone. The leftovers are all gone. I know what you're thinking, but today is January 6th. Today's January 6th. And Christmas gifts and Christmas giving is born on this day. Did you know that? Answer me. Do you know that? Awesome. You're the ones I came to talk to. See, when we were students in school, or maybe as you were driving down the road, this song usually takes from Cedar Rapids to Iowa City, the 12 days of Christmas. You ever sang it? This is the 12th day of Christmas. The the, the 12th day of Christmas is when the gifts were given, you know. And and you know from that song, or or the ridiculous off versions of that song, that there's a lot of gifts being given. But the the celebration of the 12 days of, of Christmas is a celebration that this is when the Magi got there. It's, it's called the Day of Epiphany. Now, now, we can go into a lot of stories and whatnot, and it's probably not likely that they actually got there on the 12th day because they came from so far and, you know, didn't have cars and stuff like that. But the Day of the Epiphany is a day that's celebrated widely in the Christian community. As a matter of fact, the Day of Epiphany, the 12th day of Christmas, has been celebrated longer and more broadly than Christmas Eve. Now, you know, if you were here Christmas Eve, you're like, well, I don't know, Mike. I was here Christmas Eve, and there were a few more folks here that night than here, especially if you came at 4 o'clock. But the truth of the matter is, if you go into a lot of different countries today, you'll find these huge celebrations of the Day of Epiphany. Because the Day of Epiphany celebrates this very important, simple truth. Epiphany means the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, which means Christ comes alive to the Gentiles. The Magi's are Gentiles, non-Jews. So, so the greatest gift that has ever been given to people that weren't Jews, and of course to people that are Jews, is Jesus Christ. But it's on the day of Epiphany that the non-Jewish people are made aware through the coming of the Magi that this is for all people. And so the Magi are the originators of Christmas gift giving. I mean, the shepherds left their flocks but they didn't bring anything. They just went back. The Magi show up with gold, which is, of course, you know, the uh, most precious of metals. And if you follow the Bible story, and I do, you know that from here, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph head out to Egypt for a while. So having a little gold probably kept him going from, from day to day over those years that they were outside of Israel and his, where his craft was. They also bring frankincense, which is a really holy incense because they, the, the, the Magi is weak, what we would say in today's world, they got it. They, they understood who Jesus was. So they brought holy incense for him and they brought myrrh, which, which is a little weird to give to a baby because myrrh is a burial spice. But they understood that. The Gentiles knew that, uh, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who would ever believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so the gifts of the Magi are of high value to Jesus, even though they might not have particularly earthly value. They have some earthly value, but the reason and, and, and the, the, the gift giving itself 
is what's really important uh, to Jesus. Now, some gifts have a lot of value to them, even though they don't have any financial value. Years ago, you, you might not believe this, but years ago, uh, I went to my high school homecoming da- dance and I was rocking the gold and green plaid jacket. Those of you that laughed the loudest still have one. And I had the forest green, kind of the same color shirt I'm wearing right now, forest green pants that matched the gold jacket, but gold piping down the side of that leg. You got to get you some, don't you? Yeah. College guys are thinking, man, where do we buy that? Well, let me tell you how you get some uh, down here. What happened was one day I was living in Colorado Springs and I was still wearing those pants. (laughs) Yeah, I can hear you up here, right? I'm still wearing those pants from time to time. And I thought, these are ridiculous. So I did what any good brother would do. And I wrapped them up and gave them to my sister for Christmas because I knew she would love them so but she did not. And so the next year they appeared to someone else and they went around the family every year for about 10 years. Those green pants would show up in somebody's Christmas gifts until finally they came back to me and I lost them along the way. But that, that was one of those joke, that was one of those gifts that it didn't have a lot of monetary value. As a matter of fact, it might've had negative monetary value, but there was this thing that, that made it feel like Christmas a little bit. You know, when some of us were living farther away from home, when we'd get that in the mail or whatnot. Now, the gifts of the Magi bring with them a lot of meaning. And there's no joke to this. The gifts of the Magi state, we understand that you are Savior of the whole world. We understand that you, this child uh, that sits in the middle of the nativity, is born so that all of us, not just some of us, might be saved and might have an eternal life with Christ, with God. And our gifts are to show you that we love you and we honor you. We love you and we honor you. See, gifts matter. Gifts absolutely matter. We all know we've given a lot of gifts. Gifts matter because the intent of any gift is to show the love of the giver for the receiver. So the Magi love Jesus so much that their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, are meant to show their love for the receiver, which is the baby Christ. Now, Jesus, being for all people, including the Gentiles, are his demonstrative show of of love for us. Jesus is giving himself to us. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's, that's one Godhead. And he comes to life, is incarnated in Jesus Christ. And the demonstration of God's love to us is to show us Jesus, make him like one of us, to live the human life. And he gives us himself. And the Magi, by their gifts, say, we get it. We understand it. And so their gift giving is an example for us. Not to prepare for next year's Christmas but to prepare for this afternoon. See, the Magi have this example that their gifts are premeditated. They thought about them for a long time. Their their gifts take a lot of time. They went from way over there to way over here with donkeys and walking and camels and all that kind of stuff. Their gifts were encouraging because it kind of gave a lifespan of you're the most valuable, you're the most holy, and you're going to do something for us. They were prayerfully sought after and they took the risk to come. 
They risked life and limb coming to see Jesus because he mattered that much to us. So when, when we give gifts, I want us to think about these things. The gift that matters most to give is Jesus Christ. And we give him because the receiver matters to us. We give Jesus to others because receivers matter to us. Now, this is an evangelical sermon. I, I want to tell you, it's not evangelical like Fox News or CNN would have us believe. This is evangelical in the sense that we love people so much that as we've received Jesus and are coming to know him better in our lives, we want others to have it. We should want others to know. We should want others to have what we have and what we know. We, we love sharing the good news about stuff. Last year, I didn't get one, but did some of you get the Instant Pot for, for Christmas? A lot of you did. Okay, here's what, I love hearing about the Instant Pot. We, we had some people get the Instant Pot that we know, and they're like, the Instant Pot is awesome, man. Okay, you go home, and you can throw a bag of potatoes and a turkey in there. Bam, 45 seconds, it's all ready to go. I'm like, maybe longer than that. But they're like, this is awesome. And they became evangelists for this Instant Pot. I don't know who made it, you know, whether it's made by, you know, one of the fancy, you know, whoever, uh, Furniture KitchenAid or something like that. They, they were telling their friends, you got to get one. You got to have an Instant Pot. You, gotta, you, you have to have an Instant Pot. They're awesome. They became in, in, in instant evangelists. They wanted people to have what they had because cooking had become fun for them. The reason that the Magi wanted to give Jesus to others is because they had this in their mind. Once we weren't, we weren't even a people in relation to how the world looked at things. Once we didn't know God, once we weren't part of God's uh, loving umbrella, according to the scriptures, once we weren't, but in this moment, in the moment of Christmas, we are. Once we weren't a people, but now we are a people, and you can be a person too. You can be a person of God too if you receive the gift that we desire to give you. See, the receivers of Christ, the people that have received Christ in their life, want nothing less, nothing more than to give him to others so that others might know the Christ they know. So one sentence. If you forget anything else about what I say, one sentence. The Christian gives. The Christian gives. And what we give is Jesus Christ. That's the nature of the word Christian. The Christian gives what matters most. And so for my remaining moments before we go to communion, I want to show the example that the Magi provide in giving Christ to others. Giving the gift that matters most is premeditated. You think about it before it happens. Years ago, I received a nativity. Anybody that's been in confirmation in my office or been in there for counseling or been in there for a meeting knows that I collect nativities. I have nativities from when Pastor Melissa and our team went to Africa uh, 15 years ago all the way down to when one of my friends went to Dollar General store a few weeks before Easter or Christmas. I have nativities like that of that value and, and shape. So, so a friend of mine knew I loved nativities. And on Christmas Eve, one, one service a few years ago, uh, Doug brought this nativity to me and gave it to me. And I looked at it and I was instantly blessed. You know how sometimes you get a gift and you're like, whoa, that was for me. Not like you gave it to me, but like you knew that was for me. You picked that specifically and individually for me and wanted to bless me with it. And I said, Doug, this is awesome. He says, oh, Mike, we looked 
everywhere to find that. We knew exactly what we wanted. We kind of knew what you might enjoy. And, and we spent months finding that. And we were so thrilled. And he told me where he found it and how he got it and all that kind of stuff. And I was just absolutely blessed by it. I don't know if it cost $10 or $10,000, but I know that it was premeditated. It was a premeditated gift to his pastor, who was also his friend. And, and, and he bought it with me in mind, and he gave it to me. See, our giving of Christ needs to be premeditated. So, sometimes when we give somebody a bad gift, we use a premeditative sounding sentence. It goes like this. Well, it's the thought that counts. <laughs> no, Grandma, these socks are still orange, okay? Uh, or whatever. <laughs> I'm a grandpa, so I can say this kind of stuff now. But it is the thought that counts. Because when we're thinking about others and really, really, really wanting to give them that which is deepest and richest in our hearts, which is our relationship with Jesus Christ, when we premeditate that, it makes us ready and better to bless another and give them that gift. Second, the gift, uh, giving the gift that matters most takes time. Christ and Christians give valued times. Significant gifts take time. I, I brought a gift that Teresa and I received. So uh, props to you, Kirby, if you're watching this online. My son-in-law um, made this for us, I think a year ago at Christmas. Is that right? And so, and so what it is, if you can't see it from your seat, it is a bunch of boards glued together, then cut in the shape of Iowa, and then varnished. And then apparently, it's got our names on it from different license plates. So apparently Kirby stalked various uh, states and whatnot around Denver and cut people's license plates up. And then... <laughs> Uh, he probably ordered them online because he's a millennial. But, um, but this took a lot of time. And the dude doesn't have a workshop. So it took time and space because he probably had this on his dining room table for a week because he's trying to please Mother Teresa <laughs> with a gift that she'd love. And he did. But significant gifts take time. Uh, two of our friends that used to attend here uh, watched our services Christmas Eve online, one in Maryland and one in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, and both of them sent me this. And if you were here Christmas Eve, you know that I made a big deal about when, when God is with us, that there's this withness, word I made up, withness. And Giving the gift of time so that you might win someone to Christ takes some witness. You've got to be with people for a while because you'll invite people to church. You'll invite people to a Bible study. You'll invite persons to even join you on a YouTube Bible study or something like that. And they will just say, no, or I'm, you know, I'm too busy. Or you'll say, go to work and say, hey, where's Pam? I used to be talking to her all the time. But since I started avoiding her to church, I don't ever see her at work anymore. Or you might be inviting someone, giving your time over and over and over again, and they might just ghost you. Just like that. It takes time 
to give Christ to someone else. Because theological inquiry then is, is messy because people start coming to you and saying, hey man, if God is so good, why am I getting divorced? If God is so good, why is my family member struggling with alcoholism? If God is so wonderful, why are we so stinking broke? And you, and you have to walk through that with, with people. You have to be with them to help them understand more and more a little bit every single day. Or they'll say to you, it's like, you know, I got into this Christianity thing, but every time I get deep in my faith, I'm like, I take two steps forward and then I take one back. And then I take two steps forward and I take one back and I take two steps forward. And you have to have the ability to say, yeah, but dude, don't you see you've moved from here to there? Of course you, that's the normal case of becoming a Christian. Very few of us jumped right in and said, perfect, got it, understand it all. Genesis to Revelation, signed in, perfect. No, we struggle because we're human beings and God gave us this free will and we don't always appropriate it correctly. We have our own ideas and we, we want to work them out. And so, of course, in everything, progress is often measured in two steps forward and one step back. But it takes time to be with people, to help them walk. Is when they go that step back, say, come on, let's go the two forward. Now, come on, let's go the two forward. And I got to tell you this too, because we don't think about this very much. Not giving up on someone takes a lot of time. Not giving up on someone is very time consuming because you know as well as I do, there's been times somebody, you're probably naming one or two in your mind right now, man, you want to give up with them and say, which is kind of a current thing, I'm done with you. But if God's not done with them, we can't get done with them either. But it's time consuming to have loss after loss after loss before you see a win and that's what it feels like. I know we're busy people, we truly are. But giving the gift of Christ takes time. And it's the gift that matters the most. But it's going to take lots of time and lots of effort. Giving the gift that matters, which is Jesus Christ, includes encouragement. Everything in this world is individualized. Have you noticed that? You know, before Christmas, I saw my nephew Dan had this Ridge wallet. I don't know if you ever heard of it, you know. It's got the stuff that you can't get scanned in the, in, in the you know, airports and stuff like that. And it's small. I didn't want to have a George Costanza wallet, you know. I've always, reference, sorry. Um, but I want this small, small wallet. So I went online, I bought it. <clears throat> and now every time I open my email, Ridge wallet thinks I need to buy two or three more. I go on Facebook. They found me there too. Instagram, bang. I'm like, how did you know? Well, they have my profile. Everything that we have is a profile. Everything that we have is individualized. Everything that we know is specified to us. And I tell you this to, under, to help you understand this. When we encourage another, another person, it can't be pithy, nonsensical, t-shirt, coffee, coffee cup, kind of stuff. Those are helpful, they, but they should help us form what we're doing. You know, somebody's going through some sort of mud storm in their life, and you walk to, up to them and say, hey, Romans 8, 28, uh, everything works to good, together for good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to their purpose. You're like, okay, fine, but it isn't working together right now for me. That's true, both the scriptures and what they say. And so we have to tailor, we have to make a profile of our encouragement for folks so we individualize them to fit the receiver. We have to care enough to be encouragers, not just in general, but in specific. The scripture gives us some of the stuff that's general and specific, but our hearts love, which is why we want to give to this person that, that we're desiring to receive it. So we, we tailor it 
to them. And when you give the gift of encouragement, understand this, and I kind of brushed against this a moment ago, but one of the members of my Bible study this fall said this, and I loved it. You're never too far gone. No matter how far you are away from Jesus Christ, no matter how far someone thinks they are, no matter if they're in the throes of an addiction that's lasted 20 years, no matter if they've lost their home and lost everything else about them, no matter if they've just become an angry person or whatever, no matter what, they're never too far gone for God to quit caring about them. And God wants them to receive the gift. And they need to be individually encouraged by those of you who know them. Giving the gift that matters the most means taking prayer seriously. I remember once, uh, years and years ago, I was in the little town of Webster City, Iowa, which is a county seat up in northwest or north central Iowa. And a fellow walked into my office. And, and I tell you this uh, because it helps paint the picture. He was dressed and carried himself about one step above what you might think a hobo would, okay? Whatever you imagine of a hobo, this guy, Gordon, appeared to be one step above that. So when he walked into my office, he said, Pastor, can you come into the sanctuary with me? I immediately assumed this guy needs money for rent, for gas, for food, something. This dude wants something for me. He said, can you just come down to the front with me? I'm like, oh man, he's going to... He's going to use Jesus to get money out of us. I, he knelt down, knelt down beside me, put his hand on my shoulder. Now, this is a guy that had been outside for a while. He'd been outside for a while. And he started praying. He started praying. He knew my name. He started praying for me. He started praying for the Asbury Church. He started praying for the people of the Asbury Church. He started praying for the people of Webster City. Then he came back and started praying for me again. And then said, amen, stood up. And I was very grateful. I thought it was some wonderful prayers. I stood up and I kind of faced Gordon. And I thought for sure, well, here's the moment. 15 minutes of prayer is going to be wanting 100 bucks of gas money. But he said, hey, pastor, I just came by to pray with you. I'll be by from time to time. And he walked out. And he did come by from time to time. And I loved it when Gordon would come in any time to pray for me. But I'll tell you what, he took prayer seriously. As far as I could tell, he didn't have a pot, you know. He didn't have anything. But he knew how to pray. And he took it seriously. We need to pray for people. Seriously. That they may receive the gift of Jesus Christ in their lives. In their lives. We need to really pray. One of the things I notice, and I, I'm, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going straight up against you with you, Mary Methodist, right now. Is I see all the time on social media where someone will say, this is really happening to me. I need your prayers. And one of us, me included sometimes, will respond with the word praying. I'm going to encourage you to take that to a sentence next time, at least. One of my friends gives you eight or 12 sentences when something like that happens. But instead of staying praying, which gives us the ability to say, check, we thought about him, we care about him. Why don't you just type the prayer? Dear God, bless Jen. She is up against it right now. In your name, amen. That's a prayer. To say praying is like staying at the dinner line and saying, eating. So I challenge you to like, be the Christians that say, no, I really want them to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. So I'm not just going to say praying, which I've said, you've said, we've all probably said at some level or another, but let's up that and actually, you know, pray. We need to really pray. We say we will. 
We need to believe in the Holy Spirit in such a way that he can transform a heart that was hard into one that is soft, one that is non-receptive, too receptive to receive the greatest gift that we've ever received, which is Jesus Christ. And one last thing before we go to communion. Giving the gift that matters most means taking the risk. We all get nudges in our lives, you know? And I just want to tell you to act on the nudge. Too many times you, me, everybody I know say, you know, I was thinking today I should call so-and-so or I should this and that or I should reach out to someone. How many times have you ever reached out to someone, phone or call or stopped by their house and they said, oh, thank goodness, I was just thinking about you. I believe that's from God. More times than a few, I've called people. It just, you know, God put in my heart or something like that. I got to call them. See, I believe that God is putting that in our lives, that God is in the nudge. So when God is nudging you along, believe in him enough to say, I better do something about that. I called a guy one day. I woke up thinking about him and I called him and said, hey, I was thinking about you. I woke up thinking about you. I woke up praying about you. And he says, thank God you called me, Mike. I was just going to kill myself. And he did not. So I've pushed myself ever since that. Act on the nudge. Don't pull back. I don't know if you read the Marian Methodist. You should if you don't. Another call out. If you didn't, it's online. You can go back and read it. But this week I wrote an article called The Do Something Pledge. You know, when you think you should do something, you know, do something. Go do it. And go ahead in your discipleship and and be fearless. Work without a net. You know, take the risk that it takes to give a gift. I know that safety and security is our thing. I I know that we don't want to fall and fail. And I know that we say all the time, like, Mike, you say, it's easy for you. You're a pastor. You can just talk to people about Jesus all the time. It's like, well, no, not really, because I'm a person. I hate to fail and fall too. Because I will tell you this, that if you talk to people about Christ, if you want to give them the gift of Christ, you will fall and you will fail and you will not enjoy it. And it's our opportunity and responsibility. Because somewhere along the line, one or 20 or 100 are going to take that gift and eternity is better because of the work you've done. Peter, James, Paul, all those boys, they didn't have a net. The whole crew of Christ in the early ages worked fearlessly. All of our forefathers and foremothers in the faith worked fearlessly without a net. They really didn't know if it was going to work out. They trusted in God. But they didn't know it was going to work out. And I think the same thing was, we don't know what the results would be. I mean, you know, I didn't know that the Cowboys were going to win before they played. And you don't know what the results are going to be when you reach out to another person before you ask. But I'll tell you this, you're guaranteed to fail if you do nothing. And just say, you know, it's like, uh, it's like Penn of Penn and Teller said long ago. He's an atheist. But he asks Christian this question. He says, how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about Jesus? If you really love Jesus, how much do you have to hate him not to tell him? Giving is not a season. It's a Christian lifestyle. It's inaugurated by the first Gentile believers. It's passed on to us. And as we come to Holy Communion this morning, like we do the first Sunday of every month in this church, We find here on our knees, here in these elements, the empowerment for the work of giving, the gift that matters the most, Jesus Christ. So when you come down here and you kneel, pray for the premeditation of your heart. Pray that you'll give the time 
necessary to give Christ to those who desperately need him. Pray that you'll become equipped with a spirit of individual encouragement so that you might reach out to those people that need you. Pray that you will take praying seriously when you pray for others and pray that you will take whatever risk someone that you love needs you to take so that they might receive the gift that matters most, Jesus Christ.